0: chapter eight of billhilt by julie sutter this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter eight trouble and escape for lo they lie in wait for my soul the mighty are gathered against me not for my transgression nor for my sin o lord psalm fifty nine three the saxons collected their force on the other side of the vesra and seemingly retiring along the bank of the river they recrossed and doubled upon the enemy with the view of attacking him in the rear. Hayden, meanwhile, and his army ferried over on rafts, but finding the Saxons had quitted the ground, he too returned to the right shore, intending to push northward the following day, when, lo, he found himself overtaken by the foe, coming from a direction where he least expected them. The night had been chosen for the attack, and had it not been for Heimerish's vigilance their success would have been instantaneous. Faithful Heimerish, suspecting the sudden disappearance of the Saxons, would not leave the safety of the camp to the ordinary night watch, but posted himself with his bugle on an eminence beyond, keeping a careful lookout, aided by the growing moon. His ear caught the nearing sound of horses' hoofs, and presently his peering eye saw gleams of moonlight reflected on copper helmets. He gave the alarm which roused the camp. The Saxon vanguard was close in sight, but Hymerge kept his post, well knowing that the hill was too important a position to be lost. His incessant bugle call was the signal for urgent help. The Thuringians, understanding the import, hastened towards the hill but the first of the Saxons were already upon him. Hymerish closed with three, who succumbed to his mighty strokes, but five more are ready to attack him. Jumping sideways he succeeds in separating them, gaining the victory upon them also. He sees the Thuringians at the foot of the hill, if he can but hold out a few moments longer. The host of the enemy is upon him. Hymerish's sword, as a blade of lightning, flashes in all directions. He bleeds of twenty wounds, but his object is gained. He sank in death when the Thuringians came up behind him, and made good the position for which he gave his life. The intention of the Saxons to force their adversary into the river was thereby frustrated. They now pushed upon the camp where Haydon, with a number of his nobles, received them. He succeeded in dividing them, one part was driven back on the hill and finally dispersed, the others retreated more orderly, and having crossed the Vesra by swimming, made preparation there for a final stand. Hayden ordered his troops to be ferried over, but this process was somewhat slow, as only a certain number at a time could thus get across the herzog being among the first, that he might dispose of each succeeding batch as they arrived. The Saxons were ready for an attack sooner than he expected, and pressing down upon the shore, they effectually hindered the further landing of the Thuringians. The herzog, heading his little band, tried to oppose them, but the weight of the enemy drove back his followers upon the river. He found himself left alone with a few of his men, vainly trying to gain a retreat. Some Thuringian nobles, perceiving his strait from the other side of the Vesra, attempted to reach him by swimming, but they were still in the water when the wild shouts of the enemy announced that help came too late. Haydn had fallen, struck down by the blow of a club. The few men who had been able to stand by him to the last were disarmed and taken prisoners. The Thuringians saw how the victors stripped the herzog of his helmet, shield, and sword, but lost sight of the body in the confusion which followed. The right shore of the Vesra was in the hands of the Saxons. Nothing remained for the Thuringians on the other side but to retreat and gather their force among the hills. Haydn's retainers, who had fallen into the hands of the enemy, were even now being butchered as a sacrifice to the war-god Eor. Thus ran the woeful tale. Poor Billihilt shut herself up in her chamber, weeping and trembling. Gyla had triumphed. Hard as a flint she had listened to the news of her son's death, but turning to Billihilt she had exclaimed wrathfully, "'This is the god's revenge upon those who turn his heart from their service!' Haydn had a cousin who owned a borg in the realm. He was not a ruler to be desired lacking even ordinary capabilities but he was a heathen and for Gila that was enough he must be chosen herzog said Gyla to herself that this would require some manipulation she knew for the remaining nobles most of whom were christians the heathen having fallen in the first encounter would stand by Haydn's wife it was necessary therefore to get rid of billihilt before they returned from the war and Gila had prepared her means if Billhilt was accused of infidelity to her husband she must be brought to the fire ordeal and as no one could be judged innocent by that ordeal whose feet were not made of clay or stone, it would be easy to prove her guilt and ensure her death. But the charge of infidelity could easily be founded upon the evidence that she had met with Giselhar, and moreover had she met with him lately in the Senebi, how should it be proved that such meetings had not taken place before? Gaila and her priests had laid their plot, and while the faithful nobles were absent there was none to prevent its being carried out. On the following Sunday regiswind joined the number of those who accompanied Bilhild to the oratory, and so true seemed her attitude that Bilhild, having seen her tears, invited her after the service to come with her to the abbot. Little did she think who, in spite of all her prohibition, was again present in the cabin. Gaila anxiously awaited Regiswind's testimony. No sooner had she returned than she was required to give it. "'What hast thou seen?' asked Gaila. "'Has she met with any one?' "'Giselhar was with the abbot.' said the waiting-maid but your suspicions are ill-founded no babe could be purer than our herzogin we had not entered the cabin when the abbot met us exclaiming retire noble lady unless you would meet him whose presence is hateful to you what she exclaimed indignantly has he dared to show himself again though you and i forbade him the senibi he says replied the abbot that you are free of your oath now the herzog being dead and that no law either human or divine prevented your listening to his suit he prays you to accept his protection in your present state and allow him to take you safely to Herzog Tordo's land." "'Tell him,' replied the herzogin, "'I charge him once more to leave Wurzburg, or I myself will ask my mother-in-law to consider him a prisoner. If he is here on his master's business, he should have brought his credentials to the Wurzburg instead of hiding himself as a wrongdoer.' "'I cannot blame you,' said the abbot. "'Yet you speak in anger, noble lady. You forget the dangers awaiting you on the Borg, and should not spurn lightly a protector like Giselhar. I need no protection save gods,' returned she what fright indeed has this giselhard to count upon my accepting his unwelcome suit i have seen him but twice in my life once in the presence of the herzog my husband and once when he took me to my mother's dying bed i own i did not dislike him that first time of our meeting and if the herzog had not come between who knows but what i might have listened to him but now i thank god who led me otherwise for now i see he is but a man who is guided by his own selfish will rather than by christian duty he knows what i have suffered innocently on his account and yet he expects me to follow his desires no sooner than my husband is dead, lending color thereby to the very suspicion which persecuted me and shamed my Christian calling. I say no, and I repeat, unless he leaves the land immediately, I myself will apprise my enemies of his presence. Thus spoke the herzogin, and leaving the abbot, she returned with me to the burg. Were any of her women present at this conversation? demanded Gaila. None but myself, said Ragesvind. That is lucky, rejoined Gaila. Thou wilt swear to the priest that thou overheardest her secret whispering with Giselhar, and that she has agreed to his carrying her off to Toito's land." "'I will never give such testimony,' exclaimed Regisvint indignantly. "'What, should I betray the innocent Herzogin? That may be work for a heathen, but not for a Christian woman as I am now.'" "'Thou a Christian!' cried Gaila, clutching her by the arm. "'A pretty story, indeed!' "'I am,' repeated Regisvint solemnly. "'You have commanded me yourself to join the worship of God you have brought me within reach of the fire which has quickened my conscience and brought light to my darkened soul it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living god but it is blessed to become his child and taste his love oh if you could have heard the herzogin pray for her husband recommending him to the mercy of his redeemer and if you could hear her intercede for you that you might receive grace and forgiveness of sin sin darest she charge me with sin the impudent beggar and thou graceless minion darest thou repeat it to my face screamed Gila, beside herself with rage and ill-treating the poor girl till the blood streamed from her nose and mouth i'll teach thee to know thy betters and obey my will you may beat me kill me if it be your will i can die for the truth and for our dear lady billyhild replied the brave girl and swooned away under Gila's cruel hand Gyla, having spent her fury stopped to consider what if the waiting-woman who evidently had become a christian should betray her intentions proving them by the very lie which gaila had just attempted to put into her mouth that must not be Regiswind must be silenced the old herzogin having sent for two of her priests informed them that the girl had forsworn the gods and should therefore be made one of the victims at the great sacrifice she intended to offer up to woden in memory of her son's death and poor Regiswind, waking from her swoon found herself a helpless prisoner in a hole underground she knew the place and that it was used for those only who were destined to be slaughtered in honour of the gods she knew her fate but was willing to yield her life accepting a baptism of blood for the baptism of water that should seal her covenant Billhilt missed her at prayers the following morning but none of her women knew anything about her had gaila sent her away or had she fled to the senibi fearing gaila's anger or again was her conversion mere pretence thought Billhilt, not knowing what to make of her absence But explanation was given by Gaila herself, who entered Bilhilt's chamber on the Tuesday, saying, "'To-morrow we yield sacrifice to Vodun on account of my son's death. Regasvint is one of the appointed victims. We shall expect thy presence. Thou shalt join the procession. The path must be strewn with raven's feathers and mistletoe by thy hands.' "'I shall not join the wicked show,' said Bilhilt, starting in just anger. "'And no harm shall be done to Regasvint.' "'Not without thy permission, perhaps?' sneered Gaila. "'No one has asked thee for it. Thou wilt do as thou art bid. You forget, said Billehild, that you will have to give an account to the nobles when they return from the war. They are far distant now, and who knows how many of them will return. The Saxons advance victoriously. Meanwhile, it is thy business to yield obedience. I am mistress here, as thou seest. She turned and left her. Billehild fell to her knees and called to God for help. She resolved to retire at once to the Seneby for protection, but going to the door she found it barred and locked two of Gaila's men keeping watch below. And again she fell to her knees, earnestly praying for strength to bear and strength to withstand, for peace and sorrow and submission to whatever her God would have her bear. She considered the past and felt comfort in the thought that she had not listened to Kiselhar's suit. It is blessed, she said, to suffer innocently. Night came but she was left in darkness. She lay down on her couch, dressed as she was, and so peaceful was her heart in answer to her prayer that she slept like a child. She woke, hearing a gentle knocking, which seemed to come from the garret room beyond. Reflecting that no one could have entered that room save through her own chamber, she thought she must have been dreaming. But the knocking was repeated, and a deep voice whispered presently, "'Open the door, noble lady. It is I, Pilong. I cannot find the latch.' She undid the bolt and stepped aside, waiting for an explanation. She could not see him enter, for there was no ray of light. She scarcely heard his cautious advance, but again he whispered, "'Flee, noble lady. The way is prepared. I have loosened some planks in the outer wall. Flee! Flee at once! Ragesvind is imprisoned to be slaughtered to-morrow. I, too, am a chosen victim, and a more terrible fate awaits yourself." "'Where are my women?' asked the Herzogin. "'They have escaped, and await you anxiously by the river.' "'And where is giselhar "'Alas that he had not left,' said Pilung dolefully. He would be a strong arm in your defence. But he disappeared on Sunday. None could tell whither.' "'The Lord be praised,' whispered Bilihild. "'Do not tarry!' urged the faithful Pilung, and he led her to the passage he had made, where a rope ladder hung suspended. They reached the inner court, which was guarded at night, but it so happened that the man on duty was a former companion of Pilung, and good-natured enough to listen to his pleading. Before attempting Bilhild's escape, he had told him of the miserable fate awaiting her, and he, remembering her many deeds of kindness, promised not to stand in her way. Pilung still feared treachery, but the man was true to his word, and the fugitives got safely away." they went straight to the river billhild on no account would allow the men of god to be privy to her flight thereby endangering their own safety but having joined her women she at once took boat pilung being of the party not a word was spoken the little craft was borne away by the current and presently when the women plied the oars while pilung steered the boat shot swiftly along and passed hushheim the inhabitants of which slept their unsuspecting sleep not till the forenoon was billhild missed from her chamber Gaila first of all had the Seneby searched, although she could hardly expect Billihild to be hiding so dangerously near. Not finding her there, the heathen servants were dispatched to scour the neighborhood, but chiefly the roads leading to Bavaria. They returned without her, and Gaila was delighted. It was just what she wanted. For this very reason had she, in Pilung's hearing, given vent to those threats which he repeated to Billihild, and which she meant to be acted upon by their flight. And now the young Herzogin had actually fled by stealth for what reason was known to gaila only end of chapter 8